Welcome in to the OMR podcast, where we go inside the minds of some of the biggest names in digital and tech. My name is Scott Peterson, and I am an international content editor at OMR. Our guest today is founder and CEO of Peloton, John Foley. If it weren't for the ongoing COVID pandemic throwing a wrench into, well, everything, John would have appeared on the conference stage at OMR 20 this past May. As it is, I don't think John will mind too much, given that since the start of the pandemic, Peloton has seen its value nearly triple to a shade under 30 billion US dollars. For this episode of the OMR podcast, OMR CEO Philip Westermeyer spoke to John about Peloton, including the pretty crazy story that early on he couldn't find any investors. The man was literally turned down 1,000 times. Uh, John and Philip also discussed John's vision for Peloton, why he doesn't see it as a fitness or a hardware company, and why he hopes Peloton is able to emulate Netflix. All that and more in the OMR podcast. Um, welcome, John Foley. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, there's so much talk in the, in the German digital circles and the industry about Peloton. Um, maybe just a brief um, background on how you came up with this whole thing and how much of the product was thought up by you in the very early beginnings and how much basically happened on the fly. Yeah, we, uh, the founding team and I had the vision uh, pretty clearly from, from the earliest days that uh, you wanted, we wanted to create a technology platform that would allow you to take instructor-led group fitness classes from home because the, um, the energy and the instruction and the community is so motivating and so fun um, versus, you know, working out in the home of yesteryear where it was very boring and monotonous and uh, it was just a hardware platform. So we, uh, we decided to make a hardware software and content ecosystem that would bring all of the fun, engaging, entertaining um, media into the experience in your home. And where did you have the idea from? I mean, was it out of your own necessity that, that, you, that you like thought that was missing or did you see it sim similar somewhere else or what was inspiring you? Yeah, uh, interestingly, um, I was the uh, president of a company here in the States called Barnes Noble, which is a, a book retailer. And what we were seeing is in, in book retailing, um, the, the traditional bookstore was being disrupted with this new, these new platforms, the Kindle and the Nook. Um, I don't know what the, what the brand name would be in, um, in Germany, but these um, hardware and software platforms in your hand that allow you to uh, read a book mm -hmm. uh, without going to the bookstore. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was working at Barnes Noble and I went to a fitness class. Uh, an indoor cycling class. And I said, I, th I think you can build a hardware and software platform for consuming this content at home with cameras and audio and the music. <clears throat> and then uh, with gamified software where it felt like other people were with you or you could see the other people that were sharing the experience. So I, ha I had the context of, of what was happening in, in the book media disruption world. And, and we effectively brought it into the fitness world. But in the beginning, no investor would believe in this concept right i mean there's this this legend that you got turned down by a couple hundred investors and nobody wanted to invest into your idea yeah for sure it was uh, it was uh, 400 uh, institutional investors and then thousands of angel investors that turned me down um the first for the first three years we raised 10 million dollars from 100 angel investors but in order to get 100 angel investors to invest in the face of no institutional money wanting to invest we had to pitch thousands and thousands of people. But 
Yeah, they they um, they struggled because they would say, you know, what is the market for a uh, two thousand uh, dollar stationary bike? Uh, mm-hmm. And at the time, there wasn't a market for a two thousand dollar stationary bike. But but I was trying to explain to them, it's not a piece of hardware. Nobody wants a two thousand dollar stationary bike in their home. What people want is a fantastic workout experience that's highly effective, highly motivating, highly convenient, and a great great location at a great value. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, it, I was, I guess I wasn't a good enough storyteller trying to connect the dots because <laughs> my success rate was pretty bad. But I mean, you got, you got money from Kickstarter in the beginning, right? From the platform. Yeah, we got a tiny bit of Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter money. It was a, a couple hundred thousand dollars, but, um, in the face of what we needed a couple hundred million dollars of, uh, as it turned out to build Peloton. So it was, you know, less than 1%, um, I, I would say the Kickstarter launch was a was a failure because we were expecting to sell, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of bikes on the platform, and and we sold a couple hundred. <laughs> Who was the first person, the first institution that actually believed in this idea in the early days that that really helped you break through? Yeah, the biggest uh, moment from a fundraising perspective was when I met with a guy named Leif Excel at uh, at Tiger Global. Um, he's now off on his own at a company called Edition um, that he just founded, but. Leaf Excel was a very special visionary investor who uh, saw us late in the Series B and um, and shared the vision. And he and I uh, appreciated each other. And um, he really changed the trajectory of, of Peloton. He was the first big institutional investor to really see what we were we were building. And were you always envisioning a media company? I mean, today you you claim that Peloton basically is a media company. For sure. Um, Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely the special sauce in in what what we're building is the uh, you know between the software and the and the content the media that's kind of the difference that we're bringing into the fitness equipment category. Fitness equipment uh, of yesteryear was just hardware, and that really wasn't what the consumers wanted. They want the software and they want the media. They want the 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 um, the great instructor and and the, through the, through the software platform they want to see and interact with the other. Uh, people in the community that are supporting them and motivating them, and so it really is a, a tech platform and a, and a media media company for sure. So, so, would you say that like more than half of the success is 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 because of the media aspect, or like how how is the balance between the hardware product and 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 the content? Yeah, I mean, you you've heard this in in other categories where um, I think Rupert Murdoch originally said it that content is king. And, and it's no exception in, in the fitness category. Our content is what uh, is special. It's what people are buying and it's what they're paying for month after month through the subscription is access to the content and the instructors and the community. Uh, obviously, the software enables all of the media to be consumed in an integrated way, but it really is the content that makes uh, the whole experience special. Okay. How did you like advertise for the product? I mean, the, 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 in the end, the user can only experience the content once he has an, a bike or once he has a subscription, at least. How did you like, where did you find the first users once you had the first bike and once you, once you had the content ready? What did you like, where did you put it in order to attract people? Well, yeah, we, uh, we built this fantastic platform uh, that was the Peloton bike and we put it for sale on our website and it was effectively crickets, meaning no one came to the site and no one bought the bike. So we had to get creative uh, to your question. And we um, we went out to a mall in New Jersey called the Short Hills Mall. And we hung a shingle effectively 
um, and put a sign up that said Peloton store and, uh, and put a couple bikes, uh, on the, on the, sh- on the showroom floor. And, um, it was luckily it was, uh, November 1st when we opened the store and we had it for a couple months through February. And that happened to be the best time to sell, uh, to sell fitness equipment, which is going into the holiday season. And then, uh, in January, um, in the States, there's something called new year's resolutions. I'm guessing mm-hmm. there's a similar yeah, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, similar, similar dynamic in Germany where so January and February are great months to to sell fitness equipment. And it was through that store that we realized that people in the early days really needed to touch and feel the experience. And interesting to your users uh, or li- listeners is it's one of the reasons why when we went to Germany, we decided to go um, uh, heavy with stores because we knew that the German consumers who hadn't yet um, experienced uh, the Peloton platforms would want to touch and feel it just as we saw here in the States. Mm-hmm. So, so basically it's, it's, it's about the stores. Then, I mean, the, the early, the early adopters came through the stores. That's right. And and then after that, I mean, you, obviously now you have like over a million subscribers. You don't, you haven't won them over in stores exclusively. You've won them online mostly, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's um, now that uh, people understand what we're doing and why this bike uh, is special and why the treadmill is special and why the content and the community are different. Um, we, uh, we sell the vast majority of our bikes and treads now online and people don't have to go to the store. You're exactly right. There's something um, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with called word of mouth, yeah. uh, which, uh, which uh, is also, there's a term net promoter score um, where it's um, a business metric that uh, keeps track of how much your members want to recommend your products to, to their friends. And um, when you have people who are very passionate about their Peloton bike or the Peloton tread, they tell their friends, they tell their family, and that really helps you get comfortable with buying it without having to go to the store and checking it out. I mean, is, are you also like using some kind of re- uh, referral mechanic where you, you know, somebody that buys it and refers it gets a discount or something? Yeah, it's funny. We, we've played with that. Um, we do have a, a referral credit where you, uh, if you refer a friend, you get a $100 um, gift card for our apparel boutique um, where you can buy um, clothing at the, at the Peloton apparel store. Um, but uh, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a screaming success. It's something that we've played with. And it, it seems like having a referral credit would be very uh, powerful. Um, to some people, it's motivating, but mostly people just want to tell their friends about Peloton and, and how much they love it. And I, I, I think they generally do it without the motivation of the hundred dollar gift credit. In Germany, like at least in, in marketing circles, you Peloton also became famous for some, you know, very, some, for some ads that are targeted to very, um, uh, I would say affluent, um, potential buyers. And those ads that were like the bike in like the most expensive kind of looking lofts and like, panorama views across rivers and bridges and then I was in the living room with a Peloton bike was that yeah. made by design like those those ads that are actually really like making this product look very um, upscale yeah it was by design and it was probably a uh, ham-handed bad decision on on my own part <laughs> to be honest when we first started going to uh, television with our with our commercials and trying to tell the story I thought to myself 
you know, marketers need to sell aspiration and you want to see it in a house that you would like and see it with a family or a wife or a husband that you would like to be married to and <laughs> with, with cute kids and the whole, you know, dream. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, in the early days we swung too far with that where we, we did get a little flack for, uh, for, uh, it, it feeling a little too high end, which, it, which it's not. And, our, and at this point, the majority of our bikes and treads are sold to, uh, households making uh, a lot less than $200,000 or even $150,000, uh, us GDP or us uh, dollars. But, uh, you're right. Um, we did, we, we did air air <laughs> on the side of affluence because we thought it was, uh, the way that you were supposed to do it with marketing. And we've learned, we've learned a lot over the last five or six years on, on how to approach our customers. Are most of the customers buying the the product all cash, or is that like financing plans or anything? What's the usual way to buy it? Yeah, it's a great question. That, that's another uh, thing that we figured out uh, a few years ago is that uh, financing really has changed the optics on affordability for our products. So there's not many people that have two thousand um, uh, dollars sitting in their uh, or euro for that matter sitting in their um, in their checking account, you know, ready to be spent, um, vast majority of people would prefer to do it uh, to pay on a monthly basis. So at this point, the major the majority of our, our bikes and treads are financed. Um, in the States, it's now uh, $49 a month um, for, a, for a Peloton bike. And uh, we have a financing partner here in the States called um, Affirm. And over there in, in Germany and the UK, it's a, a partner called Klarna, you've probably heard yeah, of. But, yeah, yeah, Klarna. And, and so it's the same in Germany. I would assume like, like there's much more people here that actually buy it like all cash. That's just traditionally the way Germans buy stuff is, is all cash up front. I, uh, I do not know the specifics of our uh, financing penetration in Germany. Uh, I apologize. It, it's, it, <laughs> uh, it's, close, it's close to 60% in the States. To your point, you, it, might be, it might be lower in Germany. I, I apologize. Do you have like someone that is similar to an editor-in-chief? I mean, if you, you know, we're talking about a media company in a way. Do you have an like, editorial team that's, you know, running the content on Peloton? Absolutely. We have a uh, chief content officer, uh, Jen Cotter, who um, is, uh, is a media executive, a media visionary, to your point. And um, she has a team of probably 150, maybe 200 uh, people, including the instructors, um, that create the media and, and run the studios. Uh, we call it Peloton Studios New York and Peloton Studios London. Um, as you may know, uh, the German content, um, Irene and Eric uh, Schultz, um, or uh, uh, Eric Jaeger and uh, Irene Schultz, stream out of our London studio, uh, which we opened because when we went to the UK and when we went to Germany, we wanted to make sure not only would we hire German nationals and Brit, uh, British nationals, but we would be over in the same time zone. So when you take a seven o'clock ride in, in Frankfurt, uh, that class is streaming uh, at six o'clock in the morning live from, from the UK. So we take advantage of the time zone uh, over there in Europe. What, what role did influencers play? I mean, if you research a little bit around Peloton, there's a lot of famous people with a lot of reach on Instagram, for instance, that associate themselves with Peloton. Sometimes it seems that's all because they enjoy the product. Sometimes it might be because there's a, like some kind of, you know, business deal, or commercial corporation behind it. Can you explain that a little bit? 
Yeah, uh, in almost no circumstances, none that come to mind, um, is there a paid relationship when when somebody uh, posts, um, except for the uh, relationship we just announced this morning with Beyonce, which was which was a big deal and and, and a very unique situation um, to get Beyonce's music uh, on our platform and to partner with her in all sorts of ways. But to your question. Uh, Almost exclusively when somebody posts that they love Peloton, it's because they love Peloton. But you're right that there is a an interesting dynamic that we saw in the early days that if you're a named celebrity, if you're kind of a big deal in your country, um, you disproportionately want a Peloton bike or a Peloton tread because going to the gym is a different experience to you. If you go to the gym, if you're a if you recognized face, a politician or a celebrity or a musician or a, a sports star, you... Um, you might get accosted or you might get the paparazzi follow you. And in order to get a great workout without having to deal with that, we found that those people uh, migrate very quickly to the Peloton experience and the Peloton value proposition, which one of them is privacy and getting to work out without having to travel. Ah, okay. Okay. And, and any, any German influencers or any German celebrities already like on the platform? Uh, I don't know. That's a better question for you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, know, I know some from the digital space that are using it, but I don't know if they have that, you know, the relevant reach. Um, uh, like maybe a few words on, on the model. I mean, they, you have different subscription models and then you obviously have the have the hardware product. Right now, almost 80% of the revenue is, is, is coming from the hardware, right? That's right. Um, it's, uh, it's an unfortunate reality that we're growing so fast, growing over a hundred percent year on year. So with that type of growth, the, the top line, we're selling so many bikes and so many treads, the top line is dominated by hardware revenue. Um, even though the subscription revenue line is growing, uh, equally, if not more fast. Um, but you're right. We make money on the hardware, uh, enough money on the hardware to pay for our cost of acquisition, which is very unique, um, which means our subscription model, when it kicks in, is uh, the full margin drops to our bottom line right away, which is a, which is a beautiful part of our, our business model. Okay, and, and then you have two types of subscriptions. The one is for everybody that can actually use Peloton with its tablet or with its uh, cell phone. And then the other one is with the subscription built into the bike, right? That's right. So the uh, we call the digital app uh, um, business, which is uh, the first one you described, which is you could download on an iOS device or an Android device or any one of your televisions in your home via the OTT platforms like Roku or uh, Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV. And all of those um, uh, platforms, can you can download the Peloton app and start streaming Peloton content, whether it's strength classes or yoga classes or now bar classes. And of course, our, our core cycling and running classes um, can be on any screen. So you don't need to buy a Peloton bike or a Peloton tread to jump into our classes tomorrow morning. If you have a cycling, a, a stationary bike at home and or a treadmill at home, you can download our app on any one of these devices in your hand or in your home and start taking our classes uh, without buying our hardware. That's exactly right. Is Apple becoming a competitor to what you do? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would not say that they're going to be a direct competitor. They, uh, they did announce they're going to, uh, stream some fitness classes. Uh, but, uh, it's such a tiny part of what we do is just streaming fitness classes to, um, to an iPad. Uh, obviously we have a, a, a iOS app 
experience on the iPad already. So um, on that one platform, we will compete. But the vast majority, uh, 95 plus percent of what we focus on and what we do is the vertically integrated experiences where we sell you a bike or we sell you a tread. And through that integrated experience with the hardware and the software and the media and the community, it's such a powerful experience that um, nothing that Apple has announced is going to uh, is going to come close on that front. I mean, besides the the Beyonce um, deal that you that you announced apparently yesterday, was yesterday a, a bad day for you since there came the news of the of the vaccine? <laughs> well, it was a bad day for the stock, but uh, I think it was a good day for for me personally and for all of the people of Peloton. We we are social. Uh, we are excited uh, to get back to work together. We can't wait to hug our community and take rides in person with our community and get back into our headquarters and in London and, and in, um, Berlin and in uh, New York City and be together. And obviously, you know, it's a, it's a massive deal for the world, the, the vaccine announcement, and, and we're super excited. We, we are going to build a company, a great company, um, based on the a value proposition of better workouts at a better location with better instructors on better hardware uh, with a better value. And that, and that, that story and that value proposition – um, existed in COVID and it's going to, it's going to exist, uh, um, when COVID's done. I mean, but I mean, the COVID helped you quite a bit. I mean, if you look at the, the numbers, the company almost tripled uh, during the pandemic, right? Uh, that's right. In our recent quarter, our, our top line did, uh, did triple. And, um, uh, yeah, there's no question COVID has accelerated the inevitable, which is fitness is moving into the home. They're, 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 and, um, there was an interesting study here in the States, um, CNBC put out that uh, they found that based on a survey that 59% of Americans are not going to go back to the gym after COVID. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's just a, it's a massive change of how people are living their lives and how their the value prop is. They've discovered and they continue to discover uh, Peloton, the the bike and the tread and the new bike and the new tread um, that, the, that you can have better experiences at home. Um, it's, it's, it's here to stay. When, when did the tipping point happen? I mean, it obviously happened already before COVID, but I mean, how did you, how did you notice or what, what happened when basically there was this breakthrough and you could almost feel, I mean, you must have felt it that, that, that now I'm, I'm almost all of a sudden running a, a household name brand. Um, what was like triggering this or how did it feel like, when was the moment when, when, when the product and the whole company was at, at the turning point? Uh, yeah, you're right to point it out. It does feel like we, um, we've become a, uh, a pretty big brand. Um, we're still not a big company vis-a-vis -vis where we see ourselves going. I mean, if you think about, we have, you know, 1.3 million subscribers, we see a world very soon with tens of millions of subscribers. So we're in the infancy of our business still, but, but you're right that the brand is becoming, um, at least pretty well known in the, in the markets we operate. So thank you for noticing. Um, and it, and it, did ha it did happen in the last six months, I would say, um, with people uh, staying at home. Since we've gone public, we're getting more, uh, more attention uh, on the news networks, of course, because they're interested in our stock performance. But uh, the last year, it does feel like we're kind of more on the, on the world stage in, in a way that we're ready. We've been playing for this moment for eight or nine years and, uh, and our team is ready. And so uh, it's, fun, it's fun to be recognized and it's fun to be um, helpful to our members' lives because especially in the COVID world where people couldn't get to the gym, 
uh, we were providing a real service to all of our members. Where's the bike manufactured? Is it is it in Asia or is it in the US? Uh, right now, um, we're experimenting with some stateside uh, assembly um, to help uh, complement the majority of our uh, manufacturing and supply chain, which is in uh, Asia, uh, most of it in Taiwan, but uh, some coming from other places in Asia. And like in the early beginnings, were you the one that like they designed the whole thing? Were you like the one that's sitting there saying, look, this is, it has to look like this, it has to be like that? Or was there some kind of product architect that just showed you um, suggestions? Yeah, so uh, my co-founder, Tom Cortese, is, uh, is the uh, Cortese, is the uh, um, kind of the design visionary of, of the founding, the five of us, Hisao, Graham, Yoni, and Tom. Um, Tom's design sensibility is way beyond mine. So he was uh, leading um, the, the, uh, the, the kind of the, um, the aesthetic design of the bike in the early days, especially when I was out trying to fundraise. Uh, he was working with contract manufacturers in Taiwan to uh, to bring the bring the bike uh, aesthetic to life. Okay, and is there any like or like what what gives you the feeling of how much space there is still ahead of you? I mean, you just mentioned there's you know millions of potential new subscribers or users. How, I mean, what's your what's your um, way to predict that? What number do you look at? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, there are close to 200 million people globally that have gym memberships. And it is my thesis, it is our thesis, that uh, you don't want a gym membership. You are paying money because you want to be fit and you want to have fantastic fitness experiences in your week. But if, you, if those experiences could be at a better location and at a better value, And if they were more fun and more effective and more motivating and more entertaining, you would cancel your gym membership and sign up for the better option. Mm -hmm. So I think that every one of those people that are paying hard money month after month to access inferior fitness equipment at an inferior location, I think those folks want Peloton platforms in their home. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody else that distributes or sells Peloton besides you directly? There is not. We are, uh, as you know, the, the term direct to consumer. So yeah. we are we are, we are doing all of our retail um, uh, and sales on our on our website. And uh, you have to, you, and or you could call in and talk to one of our sales reps on the phone. But uh, but we are uh, direct to consumer uh, exclusively at this point. And there was never like thought of doing it differently, like putting it on Amazon or putting it in, into an Apple store or something like that. No, I mean, of course, we've thought about it. We're commercial and we're thoughtful, so we're always uh, trying to sharpen our pencil on on our strategy. But um, we like the direct consumer uh, model at this point. It's serving us well. And I mean, basically, like with the with the business model you just described, like with all the margin on the subscription, um, you must have really high customer acquisition costs that you can accept, right? I mean, you you don't have to like um, stop at at thirty or forty um, dollars per new. Uh, Customer, basically, you can you can spend like a couple of hundred probably for a new customer, right? Closer to a thousand, absolutely. You're 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 exactly right. Uh, with the margin we have in our hardware, um, we we've said this publicly that uh, we can spend up to a thousand dollars or in that range, um, and still be uh, profitable or, or break even on the first transaction. And is I mean, is your marketing mostly performance marketing, so sales oriented marketing, or is it the brand itself? It's a good question. Uh, we were, I would say, assassins in performance marketing. 
um, in the early days because we had to be. Um, as our brand gets bigger and as we're no longer having to educate people on what Peloton is, I mean, in Germany, I would say we're still doing mostly performance marketing um, with a bent towards uh, uh, performance and and, um, and the cost of acquisition. But in the States, we're now evolving into some of the stuff that you allude to, which, which is more traditional brand marketing, because we don't have to be so linear on here is exactly what a Peloton bike is and what it does. And here's why you want it. And here's how it works. There's there, in the early days of a market. And I would say we're a year or two uh, away from brand marketing in Germany, although I hope it's faster. And um, thanks to being on your podcast, maybe the word, <laughs> will, get, maybe the word will get out even faster, but um, uh, we're having fun as we transition into more brand marketing in the States. Cause it's uh, it allows us to be more elevated, to be honest. I would personally guess that probably there can be a couple hundred thousand bikes in the German market, right? No, I'd say uh, uh, several million for sure. Several million? I mean, we are like a country of 80 million people, so several million? No, that would almost be well, like every 10th German then? Sure, I think every, every fifth German. Um, <laughs> as you think about, I'll give you another fun stat, when, as you're thinking about the total addressable market, uh, there are 35 million treadmills in basements in U.S. homes. I think there's 110 or 120 million uh, households in the U.S. So almost every third home in the U.S. has a treadmill. Um, that are Those are people who bought a treadmill that generally they don't use anymore because it's not fun, it's not motivating, and there's no programming, and it's it's not a good piece of equipment. But they did spend the money saying that I want fitness in my home. So when you think about the opportunity in Germany, if there's 70 million Germans um, I'd have to uh, uh, double click and see how many households I would guess yeah, it's probably, probably 40 million something. Yeah. yeah, 40 million households. I could see every other. Uh, I could see every other household having a Peloton bike or a Peloton tread for sure. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. 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 Um, but how come? I mean, if you go like mass market, how come the the, the 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 latest product that you've launched they seem to be even more like upscale or more expensive, the bike plus and all this. It seems like you're not turning towards mass market, but rather the opposite. Well, uh, I would have an asterisk. You're right. The Bike Plus is more expensive and it's an incredible platform and we're proud to bring it to market. And uh, it's selling beyond our uh, highest expectations because people are excited about, you know, all the new features and all the new content and the, the new experience. But uh, to your question, a part of bringing it to market was lowering the price of our current bike, which was a really important part of the strategy. Uh, and in the coming years, Uh, continuing to find ways to lower the price of entry, whether it's through um, financing, to your point, with a monthly payment or, uh, or, or otherwise maybe a leasing product down the road where it could be even cheaper on a monthly basis. Um, uh, we, we are focused on lo lowering uh, or increasing the affordability so that uh, the idea of getting into half of the German households uh, is, is, is more than a dream. Can, can you imagine like inventing a next product? I mean, here in Germany, there's a lot of talk in, in fitness circles around like the fitness mirror. There's like a German product, Vaha. I, I know there's the mirror product in the US. What, what's your perspective on that? I'm not sure there's a product market fit for that type of uh, experience. Our content that we stream bar classes and strength classes, like we talked about, to your television that is in your, um, uh, if, if you're from the, the mirror product uh, that was bought by Lululemon is not a touch screen. So you think about it's just being a screen in your, in your room or in your home gym or your basement. 
well, you already have a screen in your home gym or your uh, bedroom or your living room or your basement. Um, it's called your television screen. And so with all of these different platforms where you can download the Peloton app without having to spend a couple thousand dollars for a new screen in that room, um, we like our chances of, of bringing our members and, and eventually other members into the experience on, on the back of content that uh, takes advantage of hardware that's already in your home. Okay, so so the the hardware is essential to the to the model, right? I mean, in the end, it seems like it's also that essential that to sell like expensive hardware because if you like stop selling this hardware, then your revenue is going to go down. I mean, the profitability might go even up, but the the revenue is going down. Are you afraid of the moment when that like the hardware sales go go you know go down and you have to rely on the subscriptions because then at least you're gonna at the low at the latest you're gonna lose revenue, right? Yeah, I was only responding to the to the mirror opportunity where it's floor workouts, whether it's yoga or uh, strength or bar or yo workouts where you don't need hardware. Um, we will always have um, bikes and tread. We'll always make the best bikes and treads in the world. And in order to run at home, you need a treadmill. And in order to bike at home, you need a stationary bike. And we plan to uh, build and sell tens of millions of them Um to all kinds of markets uh, because you, you need them in order to get an indoor cycling or a, at home running experience. So hardware will always be a part of our business for sure. Okay, I mean, and, and, and I mean, is it a fair perspective to say that you need it? I mean, the, the, otherwise numbers are going to drop, right? I mean, if you stop selling hardware, then it's going to, the revenue is going to go down. Yeah. I mean, we're not gaming our, our business model for, for the markets. We, um, so we, we would do whatever would made sense for our members. Um, To, uh, to get them fantastic workout experiences in their home. But right now, I don't see a world where that doesn't include the best stationary bike and the best treadmill in the world. And any other products like on the horizon? I mean, I know there's clothing and all those smaller things, but any other products on the horizon? Uh, we have a very robust uh, research and development team and, and budget, mm -hmm. and we are investing in all sorts of different uh, uh, research um, and innovation Uh, around our software, around our content, and around our hardware. So uh, in the coming years, you'll see some cool stuff coming out of Peloton for sure. How do you explain like that the, your, your churn? I mean, like if you if I look at your numbers, the one thing I find fascinating is you have almost like less churn than than a I don't know, telco company, and you have month to month um, contracts. I mean, people can like leave like at the end of a month but still there's like i think i think less than one percent of is of, of your customers churns how is that possible yeah so if you think about um uh we just announced earnings uh, a couple days ago and we talked about our, our q1 um uh usage per per subscription and and our members are using their subscription over 20 times per month so when you think about in the, here in the States, you're paying $39 per month and you're using it 20, 20 times a month. It's less than $2 per workout on average. So when your uh, options are going to a boutique fitness class where you charged uh, $30 here in New York City per class, whether it's yoga or boot camp or cycling, and at the Peloton platform, you and your family are working out and the average price is $2 per workout, the value proposition is just so strong that uh, that you would never consider churning because you love the experience, you love the location, you love the instructors, you love the community, and you love the value. 
So that's why the subscription is so sticky because it's uh, uh, it's working for our members. And I mean, obviously, your trust in the product, so that that's why you offer like the month to month subscription, right? I mean, you seem to you must be trusting, otherwise, you'd be like trying to keep the customer longer locked in. Hundred percent, and and it's funny uh, with gyms, um, it's often very hard to get out of your gym membership, uh, which is obviously super uh, not or not very pro consumer, pro member. Um, yeah, you, you're, you're absolutely right. If, if you don't want to pay for your subscription, you can cancel, uh, very easily a Peloton and, and, and still we don't, we don't see it happening because again, because people want to consume the content and keep their membership. I mean, if, if I look at like all the D2C brands that came up in the past years, most of them didn't really work out that well, at least not commercially. I mean, some of them got bored, but you know, you had nice exits, but not like, like you, like IPO and then actually like a profitable business. Um, what differentiates you? Is it only the content? Is it the price point? Is it the, you know, the, the basket size basically? What, what do you think, you know, sets you apart from all these other D2C companies that try to break through and, and it never really happened? I love that you're a student of this stuff because uh, <laughs> so am I. So it's a fun interview for me. Um, interestingly, uh, Netflix is a direct-to-consumer business um, and uh, they're doing very well. Um, Spotify is a direct consumer business effectively, and they're doing very well. So uh, obviously our hardware sets us apart. And I think that's kind of what you were asking, but there are uh, these new world media companies uh, that bring you fantastic content uh, where you are um, is, uh, is kind of more, analog more analogous to what Peloton is building, I believe. So, so you'd rather compare your business to Netflix than to maybe, I don't know, let's say the million dollar shave club or whatever. Like, is there a D2C couple of the Caspers of this world? I mean, they're also D2C. Obviously, they produce other stuff, but so does Netflix, right? So, so you're like, would rather be put into a media peer group than the D2C peer group. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what you're paying, uh, you, you pay Netflix every month uh, to get access to their content. You pay Spotify every month to get access to their content. And you pay Peloton every month to get access to our content. Um, our churn, I believe, is lower than both of those companies because of the hardware element where you bought in. And once you get the hardware, the, the bike or the tread, um, you're not going, you're, you're not leaving because you're so happy with the experience. Um, and so you're kind of locked in via via the hardware But uh, yeah, we, we would consider ourselves much more like Spotify uh, and Netflix than, uh, than say, a Casper, to your point. Mm. And uh, what are your next markets? I mean, uh, we talked about the US, we talked about Germany a little bit. Is there any other like major markets coming? Is, is Asia big for you? Uh, we are excited to be a global technology platform bringing fitness into the homes of uh, you know tens of millions of people around the world. Um, so yes, we are going to enter new markets in the coming years. Uh, we're not uh, able to announce them today, but um, I do love the idea of Peloton being in several languages um, and in a lot more countries uh, in the coming years. So we're just trying to manage how quickly we can get to these countries, understanding that our, our core business and our core markets is still growing over 100% year on year. So it's we just don't want to get over our skis with too many countries too quickly. John, how often do you use Peloton yourself? I bet I'm uh, two to three times a week. Uh, I still uh, run outside on the West Side Highway probably once once a week. Uh, but my wife um, is a seven-time-a-week uh, Peloton tread or bike rider, so she probably works out twice as much on Peloton as I do. But it's all on the same subscription, so both of she and I are <laughs> are, are, are getting a lot of use out of our $39 membership. <laughs> and who's your instructor? 
Uh, I rotate uh, pretty uh, pretty evenly across all of the different instructors, uh, including Eric Yeager, um, uh, who did a really cool uh, Oktoberfest ride last month. If you haven't taken it, he's in his Lederhosen. And uh, <laughs> it, it is a real... Uh, he speaks a little English, which helped me because um, I don't speak German, but uh, I did have it translated. But he's a real uh, ray of light that I think uh, the German members are really proud of, uh, like Irene, who is also fantastic. So I'm trying to uh, rotate through all our different instructors. Any any VIP Peloton user that you're especially proud of? Uh, well, I will tell you uh, that it is public uh, and Joe Biden talks about... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that he rides his Peloton every morning. And so when he got elected uh, to be the next president of the United States, uh, it's fun to think about a Peloton in the White House. <laughs> okay, well, okay, you can't top that. Thank you very much, John, for talking to us. You're the best. Thank you for having me. And uh, hi, hi to all your members. All right, all right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah.